This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Good afternoon, Joysters, and welcome to Pets Aloud, brought to you by the Lost Dogs Home. Before we kick off the show for today, a big thank you to Leo for another fab morning of tunes and for James, our guest news presenter, bringing us (laughs) the latest of what's going on in Australia and around the world. I'm Sam, and I'll be keeping you company today until one. And joining me in the studio this week to talk all things pets is the lovely Kate Holter uh, from the Lost Dogs Home. Kate, welcome back. It's it's actually, we were talking before, it's been a little while since you and I have actually presented a show together. I know, I think it's, it's well and truly before Christmas, wasn't it, Sam? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's good to be sitting across the desk from I you. I think so. <laughs> it's been long overdue. It has. I always enjoy working with you. And we've got a really interesting topic that we're talking about today. Exactly. And I think it's sort of, uh, a lot of people will find it interesting. Um, according to Australian Bureau of Statistics, more than 2 million um, renting families are pet owners. However, despite this, many renters do struggle to find pet friendly rentals. In fact, pets and rental properties continue to be a hot topic of conversation for renters and landlords alike. These days, more people are renting than ever before with the housing market the way it is. (laughs) For renters with pets, the process of finding the perfect rental property for you and your um, furry friend can be a bit daunting and sometimes even a disheartening experience. But with some planning, it is possible to successfully find a rental property which suits you and accommodates your pets. So today, we ask you to grab your packing boxes, load them up, um, into the moving van because today we're talking all things renting with pets. Mm. So we want to know, are you a pet owner who rents? Did you find the rental application process yourself to be a daunting experience or did you find it to be relatively straightforward? So, yeah, we want to hear from you today. Yeah. Pets allowed. Have your say. Email now on air at joy.org.au. Don't forget you can also SMS us on air on 0427JOY949 or email, as we mentioned before, on air at joy.org.au. Also coming up on today's show, we will be taking a look at the benefits for landlords to have pet-friendly rental properties. The Tenants Union of Victoria chats to us about their submission to the Residential Tenancy Act review, which looks to give renters, including renters with pets, more choice, control and certainty over their housing circumstances. And Alexandra Thomas from Edward Thomas Real Estate gives us some tips on what pet owners need to consider when applying for rentals. And finally, living with a pet is great, but what do you want to do when the weather starts to warm up and they shed everywhere? What about the disgusting... No, that's the wrong word. What about disguising <laughs> your cat for the tray? Oh, dear. <laughs> Nothing disgusting about that, no. <laughs> but all the hair, absolutely. The hair, hair everywhere. <laughs> We're going to give you some of our favourite pet life hacks. So it is another jam-packed show for you this week. So to kick us off is I Love My Life by Justice Crew. This is Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. The Pets Allowed News Wrap. A look at the news of the week from the Lost Dogs Home. Kate, as per usual, there is a lot going on at the Lost Dogs Home. It seems to be our way, doesn't it? Each (laughs) and every week. (laughs) It's a busy place, that's for sure. (laughs) Do you want to tell us a little bit about our news item for this week? Yeah, so the first item that we're going to talk about is all about Christmas and Mm -hmm. I guess thanking people for their support over the Christmas period. From blankets to towels and and lots of people giving up their time, we were definitely and continue to be overwhelmed by the generosity and support we received from the community 
community from you. Uh, at the Lost Dogs Home, we're grateful for each and every donation to the home. And thanks to your ongoing support and generosity, we're able to give animals in need a second chance of finding their forever home. So no animal deserves to face Christmas alone, and that was the theme of mm-hmm. our Christmas appeal this year. Yeah, uh, in each, but sadly, each year you know, thousands of animals find themselves at the home over Christmas, and you know for a variety of different reasons. They may be stray, or maybe their you know their owners have to make that difficult decision to give them up. Mm. So in December, Ben, a gorgeous mastiff cross, helped us launch our 2015 Christmas appeal, and he called out to everyone for help um, to care for animals in need. And thanks to the wonderful generosity of the community, we managed to raise just over $350,000, which went a long way to providing mm-hmm. the many you know services that we have at the home. So thank you so much to everyone who donated to the appeal. Your generous donations helped deliver many vital services, including things like shelter medicine, veterinary care, um, our behaviour program, which is vital to helping um, animals you know find new homes and, and dealing with some challenging behaviours, foster care, and of course, our volunteer program as well. Yeah, it was all all much, much needed services. So yeah, thank you to everyone. And I guess an update on Ben. Ben got adopted as oh, well. Yeah. Uh, shelter ben, manager. Yeah, no, he was looking. He came in with some injuries, so he spent time in um, veterinary care. It looked like he'd probably been involved in a dog fight, and he wasn't yeah. an aggressive dog himself. It was, you know, it just might have been an accident. And he probably didn't have the most doting of owners, shall we say? No. But he uh, he, went, he came in, and we looked after him. Elisa was his foster carer. Um, she did an amazing job, but uh, he he got under his skin. He, she fell in love, and uh, she couldn't resist. She adopted him, and the two uh, they make an amazing partnership. Those yes. two, yeah, yeah, meant I've, to be together, aren't they? You look at them and, and go, are, yeah. I've to talk about Ben as well. It's like, how's that? Oh, he's so good. He's so lovely. Yeah, he's divine. And he's one of those sort of rough diamonds. You know, yes. you look at him and you go, well, I'm not sure about you, but he's just a big softy underneath. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. we, we do have so many dogs come through our doors that are exactly like that. They're these yes. beautiful rough diamonds. And it's just mm. having, being in that environment with the right people yeah really just yeah, makes them draws shine. them out and you know they get into a home environment you give them a bit of love yeah. and you know they, they they just you know give you tenfold back exactly yeah. sometimes you just got to scratch the surface and then open your mind and just as to what sort of dogs they are too I agree when you're considering completely. adoption another thing that we did over christmas was our Woolworths christmas pet food appeal so this is something that's been going on with the home now for nearly 30 years Absolutely. where Woolworths yep. customers have you know, added shelter dogs and cats to their Christmas lists through the food drive. And it is actually our biggest annual food drive. It's quite, quite important it for us. It definitely is, yeah. Mm. And last year, so Christmas last year, more than 60 stores throughout Victoria participated in the campaign. And thanks to the generous support of the community, we received 152 bins filled with 240 litres of pet food. So that's roughly 36,000 litres of pet food mm. that came through our doors. <laughs> And the reason why this, the, the food drive is particularly important to us is that rather than putting the donation money that we receive into mm-hmm. buying food, by having the food donated to us, it yeah. means that we can direct that, that money into things like our shelter medicine department and buying necessary medicines and materials that those guys yeah. need. You know, the behavior program, making sure that they have the resources they need to train dogs that need that little bit of extra time. So the, the, the food drive is a really big oh, deal for us. Yeah, look at... It, you know, it fills lots of tummies and causes lots of wagging tails. But it, yeah, but it also helps those other services that we offer as well, Absolutely. and it raises awareness. Like they've got quite colourful kennels that are sitting in the Woolworths yeah. stores. They're really bright, and uh, we've got some animals featured on there. So we hope that it also, you know, raises awareness for our work and shelter animals and adoption, of course. Absolutely, as well. I yeah. think so. So again, as with the the Christmas appeal, a big thank you to everyone who donated because yeah, the, that 
no matter how big or how small, it just goes such a long way. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also at Christmas every year we get a visit from a very special donor, um, and it's, and I have the good fortune of of knowing Sue very well now. I've met her, I think, gosh, for the last five years. She's she's just divine um, and very very generous, and you know, such a big heart and generally loves animals. And she's a bit of akin to a, a Mother Teresa, perhaps. Um, <laughs> you've used a quote here, Sam. It's, it's not how much you give. It's not how much we give, but how much love we put into giving. And look, that is her yeah. to a T. So every every Christmas, she brings in two huge bags, Christmas-themed bags, full of individually wrapped presents. And they may range from toys. They might be um, it might be food. It might be treats. Um, and it's for both the cats and the dogs. And she gets and she also brings in this Christmas toy every year too, like a stuffed dog. Yeah. And you push a paw and it plays you know a Christmas ditty of some sort of music. So <laughs> she's just such a special lady. Um, and it's something that we look forward to and, and of course the toys go to the dogs and, and the cats and they enjoy mm. them and the food but the staff also get a lot of pleasure out of unwrapping those toys yeah. as well so um, that's Sue and uh, look I just like to talk you know every now and then you have these people that come mm-hmm. to the home and uh, they touch us in um, you know these special ways and uh, that's that's a, almost a, a Christmas tradition at the home that we that Sue comes usually the week before Christmas with these you know big big bags of toys and she usually has a little gift for um, you know the CEO or and sometimes myself as well so <laughs> You know, look, thank you, Sue. You do an amazing, amazing job. And, you know, you really do touch the lives of so many animals through what you do. Absolutely. And, you know, these are only just a couple of stories. We could talk about so many more. Oh, absolutely. Beautiful stories. Yeah, exactly. You know, from people that knit jackets and blankets and, you know, through to our dog walkers and our, you know, foster carers. And, you know, we could do it entire show actually that's an idea we could probably do an entire show on it if we really wanted yeah, to yeah exactly it sort of really just re- reinforces that um you know your confidence in the, in the goodness of, of and generosity of humanity so there's yeah and that, and that bond that relationship between people and animals and, think, and what it means to us so i think so yeah it's all good speaking <laughs> of wonderful animals at the home we are now going to drop a curtain drop the curtain on our pet of the week this week's Pet of the Week. Now, our Pet of the Week this week is Suki. Kate, do you want to tell us a little bit about her? Yes. Now, Suki is a lovely cat. She's predominantly white, um, mm. but she's got some tortoiseshell markings over her. Mm. Uh, she's very sweet. She's seven years old, so she's a little bit older. She's mm. a more settled, mature cat. Uh, but also, because she's seven, that means that her adoption fee is waived. But what we do request that people perhaps make a donation to, to donate um, uh, to donate to adopt Suki, um, you know, a, a, a donation of your choice. So she's a delightful cat, and she's described as being very affectionate, but a little bit on her own terms, as mm. you know, as some cats can be. Um, but she's happy chilling out most days, and so would prefer perhaps a quieter household. Um, someone has written that she'd probably prefer a family where silence is golden. So <laughs> <laughs> she's probably not one for a hustle bustle of, of a house full of small children. So no. she can easily be spooked by loud noises and lots of fast movement and things like that. So. So, you know, look, she might even suit someone who's a little bit older, but mm. she's a really lovely cat. Um, her ID number, if you want to ring up and find out more or find her on our website, is one double zero six four eight two. Like all the cats at the home, she's desex, vaccinated, microchipped, um, wormed, um, and undergone a thorough veterinary check. Yep. Um, you can find out more at dogshome.com or you can call the shelter at North Melbourne, that's where she's located, on nine three two nine two seven double five. Well, if you want to visit Suki in person or come and see any of the other dogs and yeah. cats, you can come down to 2 Gracie Street, North Melbourne. Definitely check them out. It's a beautiful weekend to do it this weekend Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. What, so, better, what better time to come and go down a 
Check out animals. Adopt. Yes. Adopt, adopt, adopt. Yeah, so that's Suki. <laughs> now, with around two-thirds of Australian households owning a pet, it is no wonder landlords are often confronted with tenants seeking pet-friendly accommodation. Up next, we are going to have a bit of a chat about what how property owners can benefit from having a policy that allows them to have tenants with pets. You're tuned in to Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Pets Allowed brought to you by the Lost Dogs Home on Joy 94.9. Just before we get started with this next segment, a shout out to uh, one of our Joy members who has texted us in on 0427 Joy 949, who was just talking about his experience as a landlord. So he did admit that he was a little bit hesitant of renting out mm. to his current tenant who did, did have a couple of pets or does have a couple of pets. Yes. But he's actually found that his tenant's been there for two years and it was this particular tenant is the best tenant he's ever had. Yeah. So that's yeah. a really good, um, you know, shout out to, yeah. to tenants with pets. So thank you very much uh, for texting that yeah. in. If anyone else is interested, email us on air at joy.org.au or text us on 0427JOY949. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Now, with two-thirds of Australian households owning a pet, it's no wonder landlords are often confronted with tenants seeking pet-friendly accommodation. According to the Australian um, Companion Animal Council, responsible pet owners can make excellent tenants. This is because caring for pets can take just as much, if not more, effort and responsibility as caring for where we live. Letting one tenant own a pet does not mean letting all tenants own a pet, but by having a place... Letting one tenant by having a place by having having in place clear guidelines on keeping of pets in your property, irresponsible pet owners can be carefully screened without penalising those who are responsible pet owners. I guess it's one of those things where you know some pet owners are really great tenants, yes, and there are some pet owners who aren't really great tenants yes. just like there are some people with families who are really great tenants <laughs> and other people who aren't so I guess it's not a universal rule but, no, the, but the, the ways that perhaps landlords should go about sort of screening or, or determining who gets their property when there's pet owners there's certain mm. things that they could put in place to there's help lots of ways that you can help find the right person or make sure that your you know your property is going to be responsibly and um, respect, respectfully lived in I think absolutely yeah. so there aren't any really hard and fast rules um, and individual p- policies uh, can be developed to suit individual properties. So if you own a single dwelling or a multi-story apartment, um, you know, the, the policy can change dependent on the building or That's whatever right. you're leasing out in particular. So we're just going to give you a couple of tips on how to have a pet friendly rental or, or make the process as easy as possible for both yourself and your applicant. Mm-hmm. So the first one is screening application. So Probably the best thing you can do is have a chat to your leasing agent about putting together a few simple questions which can help you and the agent determine what applicants or or which applicants are responsible pet owners, Mm. you know, um, their, their histories, any recommendations, previous previous leasing histories, that type of thing. Yeah, and like sometimes those you can request perhaps a, a pet resume. I don't know if yeah. that's one of our lists, but you know that's a good idea. Maybe they can have um, a reference from their vet, as you said, or their their last rental property. Um, you know, recommending these people as responsible and, and caring pet owners. Absolutely. So, uh, the other thing you could do is have a written agreement in place um, uh, with everything in writing that it makes it very clear what everybody's expectations are, and also you know lots of good information around the rules um, and regulations that you. You may put in place for those pet owners. So, you know, everything in writing and everyone yeah. grays up front is a good way to move forward. Absolutely. Which does lead into the next one, which is set realistic limits. So, like Kate mentioned, you know, have those clear guidelines on the types and the number of pets allowed per, te- per dwelling. These, these, these types of things help make sure everyone's on the same page right, right up front, right from the start. Yeah. Um, now, most Australian states do not permit uh, the payment of specific pet 
deposits or a bond. Um, but for our, um, our friends in Western Australia, there is actually an additional pet bond of up to $100 that can be charged. Mm. And I guess that's something that you could do or even as a, as a pet owner, you might put forward, okay, you know, I, I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is. Yeah, you, know, exactly. I, you know, I'll give you that extra reassurance and I'll put forward an extra 100 or 200 uh, uh, bond if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, this is something that the Tenants Union of Victoria has put in their submission to the Resident, uh, Residential Tenancies Act review. And we'll hear about that. Well, a bit more yeah. about that later in the show. Yeah, Yale goes into a little bit of detail about that. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what the outcome of that exactly. is, particularly for pet yeah. owners. Because mm-hmm. um, I think there need to be some limitations as well about the amount of bond you could charge oh, as a landlord. Yeah, you don't you want know. to be kind of uh, bribing. <laughs> don't, don't double the bond <laughs> yeah, to cover know. pets. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, and ensure cleanliness and healthy pets. So responsible pet owners will agree immediately to clean up after their pets and take all necessary sanitation or necessary sanitation precautions so I rent I'm also a landlord so I'm this weird combination between the two um of you know if my pet is dirty I will clean up after my cats it's it's pretty much a Mm no-brainer so you know it's just making sure that those things are there and perhaps you know to give you an extra peace of mind just have asked if you can um perhaps see copies of their medical records to make sure that all the required required vaccinations have been administrated mm-hmm. and those types of things as well. Yeah. It's not harmful to us that. Yeah. So there's all sorts of ways that you can look at, um, you know, mm. providing more information and, um, you know, coming to a good agreement to Absolutely. if you're going to be renting with a pet. So, but if you're a landlord and you've missed out on any of this information that we've just been discussing, there is our podcast at joy.org.au backslash pets allowed. After the show, you can download that. We'll put up the links on that on We'll put up uh, the links to the Landlord Guide to Pet-Friendly Rentals along with our links to, the de- to, to today's show. Now, with more and more Australians opting to rent rather than buy, the rental market is becoming tighter and tighter for renters, especially renters who own pets. Coming up, we're going to chat to the Victorian Tenants' Union about the review into the Victorian Residential Tenancies Act. This is Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. With two out of every three Australian homes now owning a pet, it is clear that we, we as a country, love love our animals. We certainly do. <laughs> However, despite being a pet-loving nation, we continue to hear stories about the difficulties pet owners and who are renters face when searching for a rental property. In January, the Tenants Union of Victoria made headlines after placing a submission to the Residential Tenancies Act review, calling for changes to the Victorian tenancy laws, allowing people to kept, keep pets in rental homes without needing approval from their landlords. Early, earlier in the week, Sam caught up with Yao Caspi, policy offer with the Tenants Union of Victoria, to find out more about the unit's, union submission to the Victorian Government's review into Residential Tenancies Act. Joining me on the phone is Yale Caspi, Policy Officer with the Tenants' Union of Victoria. Yale, thank you so much for joining us today on Pets Allowed. Thanks for inviting me along. Can you tell us about no pets clauses on leases? Does the Residential Tenancy Act currently say anything about whether tenants can actually keep pets on a property or not? So the Residential Tenancies Act doesn't actually say anything about keeping a pet on a rental property, but despite that, often a lease will include a a no pets clause, so it'll prohibit a tenant from keeping a pet or it might require that the tenant seeks permission for keeping a pet on the property or it might talk about different types of pets that may be allowed or may not be allowed on the property. The discussion around whether tenants should be allowed to have pets on property is something that's been around for a long time now. Do you know how many inquiries the Tenancy Union can get regarding pets in a typical month? Is it something that's a common concern for tenants? Definitely a common concern and we do receive quite a high number of inquiries about pets. Um, it, it varies but sometimes we'll get multiple calls a day 
about pets. So it's definitely a topic that's quite important to to a lot of renters as it can be quite difficult to find a property that allows you to keep a pet. Do you think that's because maybe tenants haven't asked the landlord whether or not they can keep the pets out front or if it's something that because they've got those clauses in that stops them from kind of applying or wanting to pursue that property? I think it can be a bit of both and often the trouble is because the rental market is so such a tight market, tenants might um, or potential tenants might feel a bit nervous about asking about it before they enter into a property because they might think that it'll um, lessen their chances of being offered the property. So it might be something that they they sort of keep under their belt. They might see it there in the lease and then realise that they're not going to be able to keep the pet on the property Um, or they might just decide later on once they've already got um, them already in a property, they might decide that they want to get a pet and be um, faced with a landlord who won't let them. Now, the union recommends that tenants get permission from their landlord before going out and buying or adopting a pet. Can the landlord change their mind about pet ownerships once they've given the permission to the tenant? So, well, we do advise people to seek permission before they get a pet and to get that in writing. The landlords can't change their mind once they've agreed to it, but it is good to have it in writing just to um, have that evidence there and to make sure that your lease agreement does reflect the fact that they've said that you can have a pet. Now, the union's calling for changes to the Tenancy Act in regards to pets. Can you tell us a little bit about what types of changes you're calling for and why you're calling them? Yes, so we think that tenants should be allowed to have pets and that they shouldn't need to ask permission to keep a pet. The tenant is basically leasing the property for their use and we think that that should include pet ownership. Um, We don't really see why pet ownership should be treated um, any differently to just regular use of the property. We think that um, the tenant should definitely be um, liable for any damage if there is any damage caused buy a pet, but we think that there's already mechanisms in place for the landlord to recover any costs to their um, property through any kind of damage. I guess one reason why we're looking at this now is that there are more people renting than ever before and a lot of people are renting for their entire lives. Um, It seems ridiculous that that aspect of their life can be controlled externally just because they're renting. If anyone that's listening out there is a renter and they're wanting some advice on either approaching their landlord for um, permission to adopt or, or own an animal on their property or perhaps they're getting um, they're having some issues in regards to their property and their animal and their landlord, where can they go for more information? On the Tenants Union website, we have some information about pets, so that's tuv.org.au or they can also call our advice line to speak to one of our lawyers and the number for that is 0394162577. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today on Pets Allowed. It's definitely a very interesting topic and one that we're all very interested in. So, no, we really appreciate your opinions today. Great. Well, thank you very much. That was Yael Caspi from the Tenants Union of Victoria talking about the recommendations that the union put forward to the Victorian government as part of the review into the Residential Tenancies Act. As Yael mentioned earlier, if you do have any questions or need advice about your rights as a tenant, you can contact the Tenants Union of Victoria on 94162577. The service is available on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday from 9 to 4pm and Wednesdays from 12.30 to 7.30pm. So you and your furry family are looking for the perfect rental property. 
but you're finding the rental application process a little disheartening. Don't worry, because coming up, we're going to look at some or going to get some tips from Edward Thomas Real Estate um, to help you get your approval for that rental property that you're searching for. This is Pets Aloud brought to you by the Lost Dogs Home on Joy 94.9 and throughout today's show we are packing up and loading the moving van as we look at renting with pets. Today more and more people are turning their backs on home ownership in favour of renting. This is there is a range of reasons, including being priced out of the property market due to ever increasing um, cost, the ever increasing cost of uh, buying houses. Mm. More than two million renters throughout the country are also pet owners. For these renters, the process of finding a rental property can be a bit daunting and sometimes even a disheartening experience. But it isn't impossible for pet owners to find a rental property. I am one of those people. <laughs> I have two cats and I have a rental property. Congratulations! So. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's where it I am. Is, it is hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With some planning, it's possible to successfully find a rental property which suits you and can actually accommodate your furry and faithful animal companions. Earlier this week, I caught up with Alexandra Thomas, rental department manager from Edward Thomas Real Estate in Kensington, to find out if pet owners have more difficulty finding a rental property than non-pet owners. We always encourage our owners whenever they list a property with us uh, to keep an open mind in terms of applications and we would always encourage people with pets as long as the property was appropriate for the pet to come along and have a look at the property and definitely apply. When applying for a rental property, should pet owners look to prepare any additional documentation such as something like a pet reference to help with that application? We encourage all applicants to include as much detail in their application as possible. So definitely if you're applying for a property and you do have a pet, any additional information that you can provide is of benefit. I did have a case recently where they sent a photograph of the pet and a written reference from the previous landlord that was obviously um, very positive. I forwarded that to my owner and we were able to get that application approved. Our owner may have approved that application anyway, but it certainly didn't hurt to have that. So anything that they can do to bolster their application to look favourable to a landlord uh, certainly helps. So things like vet records and vaccination histories would also perhaps come in helpful there as well? I would say so. Um, I think more than anything, it demonstrates that you're an owner that cares about your pet and that you're a responsible owner. I also ask people how often, like if it's a dog, how often they walk their dog uh, because a dog's likely to be far less destructive at a property. If they've got an owner that gives it regular exercise, then we pass that information back to our landlord as well. So we certainly do all we can to get applications that we feel are suitable with a suitable pet for the property approved. Our landlords, I guess you've kind of answered it a little bit in the previous questions, but are landlords usually happy to accommodate pets or are some against pets or do you find that it's almost like a 50-50 type of split? I would say it's definitely a mixture of both. I would say that a minority of landlords would be um, regardless of any information that we present, regardless of the type of pet, they're just against having a pet at the property. Um, we get a lot that are happy to have a cat. Dogs can be a little bit trickier, certainly if the property is just not dog suitable. Like if it's an apartment, we do get applications where we've even had owners approve a dog in an apartment. But if there's not a suitable outdoor space, then we'd probably try and look at finding a more suitable property for those tenants. So for, for things like an apartment, then the landlord would probably be more likely to look at the breed of the dog in order to help their decision-making process. Absolutely. So if yeah. it's got a small outdoor yeah. space and it's a small dog, um, then that 
that would certainly be something that they would look at. So it's making sure that the that the type of property mm. is suitable. Um, you know that they're going to be okay. housing the dog in an appropriate environment, and that's mm. something that we, yeah. as agents, feel that that's our ethical obligation as well to make sure that the the pet's going to be housed in a suitable environment. Now, for people that are renting currently but may not own pets but are wanting to adopt or perhaps become a foster carer or something along those lines. How could they go about getting the approval to have an animal come into the home after the rental agreement's been approved? How, how can they get that approval from their landlord? Yeah, so we would just encourage that, you know, all lines of communication very open and very transparent. Um, if an, a tenant's circumstances change and they want to either adopt a pet, have it short-term, long-term, whatever their circumstances are, then we would just encourage that they put that in writing to us in an email of what their intentions are and then we would obviously speak to the owner. I've had owners in the past be very hesitant once we explain what the potentially the breed is. Um, I think that can have a bearing and certainly the age of a pet. I think a lot of owners, once we explain to them if the pet's a little bit older, that they're going to be far less destructive than hypothetically a little puppy. So um, we also get tenants to sign what we refer to as a pet clause, which basically assume that um, they sign off that they assume full responsibility for the pet in the property. If the pet was to do any damage, etc., that that would be at the tenant's responsibility and they would be responsible for either compensating the owner or repairing the damage. And finally, what other advice would you give to pet owners looking for rental property out there to help them with their, with their process? I would encourage anyone that has a pet that's looking for a rental property to speak to your property manager, be really honest, provide as much information as you can about the pet. I actually think the breed and the age of the pet is something that's really important. Most people will put down what type of dog it is or what type of cat it is, but I think particularly with a dog, I think the age is really relevant and that gives us further information that we can take back to our owners and anything at all that can help support their application surrounding the pet, like you mentioned, if it's vaccinated, if it gets regularly walked, um, etc. I think it's important because it demonstrates that the person that owns the pet is a responsible pet owner. That was Rental Department Manager Alexandra Thomas from Edward Thomas Real Estate talking to Sam about what pet owners can do to help them get a rental property, the rental property that they're applying for. Now, Edward Thomas are great supporters of the home and the dogs and cats that they uh, that we care for, they uh, contribute to, to the home. Mm. So I would like to thank them for their support today. And also, you know, if you're looking for a property in the Kensington area and you want to view the properties that they have available, um, you can go to Edward Thomas Real Estate at their website, edwardthomas.com.au. Alex gave some really good tips there. Oh, oh she Alexandra did. Alexandra gave some really, really good oh, tips yeah, there. No, so. she's really yeah, very articulate and, yeah, really, mm. yeah, well worth considering. So absolutely. Thought, yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, Sam, the... Some landlords get yeah. it. They do, they really do mm. get that, you know, there are more and more people that are renting with pets. So, yeah. you know, like in the case with Edward Thomas and, yeah. and, and their staff, you know... It, if you've got any questions or you're finding that you're meeting the same real estate agent over and over again, yeah. have a chat to them. That's right. Because they'll know their yeah. landlords as well and they'll be yeah. able to tell you, you know, this is what you need to put in the application. These yeah. are the things that you need to consider. This might not be the right property because there's no backyard and you've got a you know, yeah. particular type of dog. Have you considered this one? Yeah. So, you know, just 
have a chat to them. Yeah, they're not, no, they're not scary people. <laughs> no, look, and I think that's what came through is that Alexandra, she's there to help, isn't she? Yes. And, and like, she was really, it sounds like that, that the advice and, and just really, you know, over-communicate almost about your dog and, and give them all the information so that people can make a really informed decision. Exactly, you know? exactly. So it's so. almost like, you know, going for a job. Sell it, you know, sell yourself and, you know, what, what you know what's really great about exactly. your dog and yourself. It puts the landlord at ease as well because it's, you mm. know, that fear of the unknown. Yes. So if you don't know, just do it. Yeah. No, she was fantastic. So I really, really appreciate yeah. that that information. Yeah, absolutely. Now, from unfortunate accidents to hair covering everything from your sofa to your carpet. While living with a pet is great, it can come with a few downsides. Sound downsides. Yes. Up next, we're going to give you some tips on how to make living with your pet a harmonious experience for everyone. This is Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. And throughout today's show, we've been talking all about renting with pets. As pet owners ourselves, we know there's nothing better than living with a pet. But from time to time, there are certain issues which can cause even the most steadfast pet owner a world of grief. From claw marks on your furniture to tripping over bulky bags of pet food, living with pets can sometimes come with a few downsides. But never fear, today we are going to give you our top five life hacks for living with pets. So number one is store your pet's food. Pets like to, pets take up a lot of space in any household. Uh, there's big bags of dry pet food, especially if you have more than one pet. Mm. Um, in and in particular, uh, the, a common a common space for for pet food is really good to have. Uh, when it comes to your pet food, uh, you know why not try storing it in airtight containers, so empty it out of the out of the bags, mm. uh, so it's easier to fit in those spaces and perhaps stack on top of each other as well. Um, this will not only save you room, but it also keep. Um, the, the food much fresher as well and perhaps um, um, keep them out of there stealing the, the, the odd treat yeah. as well. Yeah, I have a plastic container for mine and it fits in really, really well. So I, I, that is a good life hack yep. in my opinion. <laughs> um, getting rid of hair. So it's never nice to spend a relaxing day on the sofa only to end up covered in fur from your molting pet. <laughs> so and for a lot of pet owners, we do know that vacuums don't always pick up all the pet hair. So an effective life hack is to actually use a dampened rubber glove, so like a, a dishwashing glove, mm-hmm. um, and run it over the area you want to clean. The rubber will attract the hair, and once again, you'll have a beautiful fur-free sofa. That's a great idea, actually. Mm. As I was doing my um, personal training class today, I looked down at my uh, exercise gear, and uh, there was this white hair on it. Hair everywhere. <laughs> it's like not where you expect to see it. No. Anyway, <laughs> so number three, hair, hair everywhere. Your sofa isn't the only part of the house uh, which will suffer from um, a molting pet. If you notice a lot of fur on your carpets and, and your vacuum simply can't pick up all of it, try using a squeegee instead. You know the, um, the type of squeegees that you might use in your shower to clean? Mm. Uh, you, if you run the squeegee over your carpet and the, the hair will be picked up by that squeegee, you can, yeah, give it a try. It really yeah. does work. Yeah, <laughs> I've given that one a go. So, yeah, yeah I do like that one because... Yeah, I just find I've got those carpets where the cat hair just... And I've got short-haired cats. Yeah. That stuff goes everywhere. And I think if it's a fine-haired animal like a cat, it, it yeah, it, the vacuums probably do struggle sometimes getting every every hair yeah, up. Yeah, so. and I find that sometimes with carpets because they have that brush as well on it, that yes. the hair will like clog up all the brush. Yeah. So really, rather than picking it up, I'm just moving it from one location <laughs> to another. That's right, yeah. <laughs> now, cleaning unfortunate accidents. So your pet has had a bit of an unfortunate accident inside your house and you need a way to get rid of the mess and smell. All you have to do is actually pour some baking soda over the mess and once it's soaked in, vacuum over the area. Oh, that's good idea. It's that easy. Um, One thing to keep in mind though is that you're going to need to keep your pets away from the area when using baking soda as for some animals it can be toxic. Uh, and also, as a result, sometimes those unfortunate accidents, the home can be filled with some 
unpleasant smells. Some unusual uh, smells. <laughs> unusual smells. And just, you know, animals in general and in small spaces can cause some smells. So yep. apart from opening doors and windows, uh, you can actually create your own odour eliminating spray. Yeah. So uh, the recipe is you can mix together five tablespoons of baking powder with some water uh, and you transfer that to a water bottle. A spray bottle. Uh, you add a few drops of your f- favourite essential oil, uh, mix together, and you can spray on the carpets or furniture or um, a- a curtains to remove any unwanted spells, but in a natural, non-toxic mm. way. Which is good when you've got pets around. You know, That's you want right, to kind yeah. of keep it as uh, environmentally friendly as possible. That's right. And I'm always very conscious. Like we sometimes, because you live there all the time, you don't necessarily smell everything. No, this you know. is it. Yeah, yeah. I'm this is exactly it. Ask my guests, can you smell anything? Can you smell anything? And I'm yeah, always got my windows. It's usually, open. when my mother walks through the door for me, it's like <laughs> oh, yes. cat smells. I'm like. Do I? You know, I'm burning candles, I'm opening windows, I'm doing everything, but yep. no, my mother can still smell it. That's right. Yeah, that's that's what mothers are for, didn't you know? So, that's right. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. Truth. Um, so these are just some of the tips that can help you and your pets um, keep, a, you know, a safe, a, not a safe, but a, a pleasant, um, tidy and nice smelling home. Guidelines for harmonious living. That's right. <laughs> we're almost at the end of another busy show, but before we go, we're going to update you on the events happening in your area in this week's dog deck. So stay tuned. You're listening to Pets Aloud on Joy 94.9. Your pets community calendar to you this dog dates. Kate, have you got our first dog date for us this week? I certainly do. Uh, we are going to be at Petstock. Uh, we're going to take part in Petstock's National Adoption Day with, tomorrow, which is Saturday, February the 7th. Uh, it'll be happening from 10 o'clock to 2 p.m. in the afternoon. The Lost Dogs Home will, in conjunction with speci- with pet retailer Petstock and um Pet Rescue uh, will be attending uh, some pet stock stores for their National Adoption Day. So if you're interested in giving a shelter animal a much-needed second chance at finding their new home, come on down and chat to our teams about how you can adopt from the home. You can even meet some of our adoption cats and dogs in the fur, as you say. The Lost Dogs Home will be coming along to the Clifton Hill event, which is located at 592 to 596 Smith Street, Clifton Hill. Uh, it's right on the corner of Smith Street and Alexander Parade. There you go. For, so, but anyone who's planning a trip on this beautiful weekend up to Echuca, uh, we'll also be at the um, Campasvia Echuca Pet Stock store. Um, our team up there will be at the Echuca store between uh, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. as well. And you can find that store number 52 to 50. Uh, well, it's store number 5258, the Northern Highway, Echuca. But if you want more information on the event, please check out the website at dogshome.com. We'll have all the information there. And our second dog date for this week is the National Day of Action to Stop Greyhound Racing. So last year was a year which um, saw the Australian greyhound industry face increased public scrutiny over their practices. Treatments of dogs in the greyhound industry continues to be a controversial topic within the community. So this weekend, so this Sunday, February 7, uh, the Coalition for the Protection of Greyhound Hounds are doing their National Day of Action uh, and they'll be running a number of rallies across capital cities throughout the country. For our Victorian listeners, this rally is happening um, at the Pioneer Women's Garden at King's Domain at 10am on Sunday, February 2nd, 7th, which is this Sunday. Uh, dogs are welcome at the event as long as they're walked on a lead. There are, as I mentioned, other rallies across Australia. So if you're wanting to participate in a rally, uh, there is a Facebook page called Shut It Down, a National Day of Action, where you'll be able to find out more information. And we've come to the end of another show. We have. Yay. <laughs> um, 
th- up next is Guy with the Afternoon Show. But before then, Kate, do you want to give us a bit of a recap on our pet of the week this yes. week, which was Suki? Yes, a beautiful cat. Beautiful, She's at our North Melbourne cat, The seven-year-old beautiful, beautiful yeah. cat. So she is fee-waved. She is indeed because she's uh, seven years and over. Uh, if you want her ID, it's uh, 1006482. If you want to view Suki, you can go to our website at dogshome.com. Or if you want to talk to someone about Suki, you can give us a call on 93292755 or come and visit us at 2 Gracie Street, North Melbourne. Now, if you did miss anything on the show today because there was quite a fair bit yes. of information, uh, don't worry. We will be podcasting the show via our profile page. So check it out at joy.org.au forward slash pets aloud. Kate, thank you joining me in the studio for another week thanks sam it's a great show it's great to have you and don't forget to walk your dogs and pat your cats this is pats allowed on joy 94.9 thanks for listening to a joy cast from joy 94.9 thanks for listening to another joy podcast brought to you by australia's lgbtqia plus community media organization joy help us keep joy on air head to joy.org.au joy a diverse sound for a diverse community